It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Thursday edition of East Coast Bias. The boys back, ready to go. We got wildcard games to break down. We got some coaching vacancies to break down. And we are ready to rock and roll across the board, of course, on the Ringer Gambling feed. And for our friends over at FanDuel TV, John Zestremski, Raheem Palmer, Joe House says we have all the matchups. We have all the spreads. We have all the totals. Maybe some props, all that good stuff for Super Wild Card Weekend as there will be two games on Saturday. There will be three games on Sunday. There will be a Monday night game where maybe Nick Sirianni coaching for his job in Philadelphia, which kind of seems insane, but that's the narrative around that town. That's what we've been hearing over the last couple of days. Uh, And speaking of coaches, House, I want to start here. Before we get to all the games, before we get to our picks, Before we start getting set for our trek out to Los Angeles, I'm going to hit you with this. We found out about an hour before we started taping for this show, Pete Carroll out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Yesterday, we find out Mike Vrabel out as head coach of the Tennessee Titans. So uh, I'm going to throw this one to you guys, and I'm going to start with you, House. You're more surprised by the Carroll departure or the Vrabel departure? For me, it's Mike Vrabel. I mean, whatever happened in Tennessee in terms of his inability to get on the same page with management, they, and by they, I mean the Titans, needed to figure it out because that dude gets the most out of whoever they put on the field for him. He's not sitting up in a luxury suite picking the players. He puts the dudes that are made available to him at the beginning of training camp on the football field and then tries to extract the most that he can out of them. Um, I'm shocked that the the Titans fired him. Now, if they wanted to like negotiate a departure and do engage in some kind of trade, that's fine. But wherever that dude lands, I'm betting the over and Tennessee, I mean, I'm sure the books will open with a, 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 a disturbingly low number. I'll still probably go under it. I'll still probably go under on Tennessee wins this upcoming season stream. Yeah, I'm very shocked at the Mike Rabel firing. Obviously, Pete Carroll, he's been there for quite some time. He's getting older. He wanted to move on to different things. But Mike Rabel, this is a guy who he was able to take this team and if they were an underdog, they always had a chance to win. And if you look at Bet Labs database, this is a guy who was probably the most profitable underdog of the last 
20 years. If you had bet $100 on the Titans' money line anytime he was an underdog, you would be up over $2,400. So you're talking about a guy who he always put this team in the best position to win 206 and minus and 140 straight up. So if you ask me, the Titans lost a lot. Well, there's no getting around that. And I think Vrabel is probably the bigger loss from where he's at as far as his coaching career is concerned. But guys, I got to be honest here. Kind of could see the writing on the wall with Tennessee and with Mike Vrabel. And the Titans, by the way, are dead wrong. And to your point, House, whoever ends up getting Mike Vrabel is getting themselves one hell of a head coach. I just was surprised more than anything with the Carroll departure because it didn't happen immediately right after the year. Carroll kind of made it seem like he wanted to continue coaching. And he's one of those guys, you know, he's been there for ever over a decade it's going to be hard to envision what the Seattle Seahawks look like and feel like uh, without Pete Carroll and to your point house Tennessee is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL next season I have no idea what they're doing as far as their next coach is concerned and it's going to be interesting because it seems like on the surface house Mike Vrabel would be the leading candidate to go and coach the New England Patriots he was inducted in their Hall of Fame he's buddy buddy with Tom Brady and Robert Kraft It seems natural, but who knows what happens with Dallas? Who knows what happens with Philadelphia? I would be very careful in saying right here, right now, hey, Mike Vrabel's a lock to be the coach of the New England Patriots because as we sit here Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, you don't even know what the deal is yet with Bill Belichick. JJ, do you think that Josh Harris just paid over $6 billion for the franchise here in Washington with all of these untapped revenue streams to 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 miss out on a known winner like Mike Vrabel if Washington doesn't make an all hands on deck full kitchen sink effort to get that dude here and it should be an enticing job we have a wonderful very high draft pick we have uh skill positions filled and the 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 defense is a, a an opportunity for a work in in progress, lots of cap space. Let's get Mike Vrabel into the nation's capital and make a splash with the C words for next season. If you're Mike Vrabel, though, you have to ask because when you're looking at why he got fired, he essentially got fired because the organization didn't spend money for A.J. Brown and they didn't have a quarterback. If they had a quarterback, he's probably still there. So if you're Mike Vrabel, I imagine you want to go someplace where they have a quarterback, and that could be the Chargers. That could be the Cowboys. That could be the Eagles, depending on what happens. So I, I think he's going to be able to go wherever he wants. He's going to be the the coach that's most sought after. So we have to see what happens. House, because your team is in the market for a head coach, this is probably a very good question for you. I'm giving you the board. And we don't know what's going to happen yet with Mike Tomlin. If Mike Tomlin's getting out of his deal, it's not because Pittsburgh's saying goodbye. It's because there's some sort of deal and, you know, handshake, wink, wink, whatever the case may be as far as an agreement is concerned. But I give you right now, House, the field of coaching candidates that could be available to the Washington Commanders or whatever they're going to name the football team moving forward. Who is your dream candidate right now, House? It's Mike Frabel. I, I literally did not anticipate him being available on the market at this early, early stage. And if, you know, look, if we're being fair to Tennessee and that franchise and the, and their ownership, 
it could be the case that they wanted, they started their rebuild two years ago. They told us they were intending to rebuild when, when they got rid of A.J. Brown. He's just too good for a rebuild. And he's not the right coach to, to be the steward of a rebuild. So if that's the reason that Tennessee got rid of him, then okay, I can, I can uh, you know, contemplate that. But there is no, all we're talking about in terms of potential candidates here in Washington would be the coordinators that have distinguished themselves um, across the league. Your offensive coordinators, guys like Ben Johnson in Detroit, Bobby Slowick in, in Houston. In fact, I think Washington might have already made some inquiries about Slowick. Um, and then maybe on the defensive side, the uh, coordinator down in Atlanta, potentially. Um, but look, none of those dudes have a track record that looks like Mike Brable's track record. If this Washington ownership group wants to make a splash and try and really build on the goodwill that this town is ready to, to, to deliver, Mike Vrabel is the guy. I think you also got to consider that Jim Harbaugh is probably out there on the market and then maybe Todd Munkin as well. So there's a lot of good head coaching candidates out there. So I'm pretty sure the commanders are going to get somebody who like people want. And when it comes to two jobs where one, we don't know what the deal is going to be yet. That's the Raiders. They should hire Antonio Pierce to be the head coach. I know there's the appeal with Jim Harbaugh. I am a Jim Harbaugh guy. Pierce earned that job. Go get a quarterback. Go get a good offensive coordinator and let him cook and let him run the operation. But Raheem, Eberflus going back to Chicago. I thought Jim Harbaugh, with his Midwest connections, the idea that they're going to have the number one pick, the close proximity to Ann Arbor and Chicago and everything that comes with it, I thought Harbaugh was going to be the slam dunk candidate for the Bears. Interesting. They played well for Eberflus down the stretch, but I'm not going to be surprised, quite frankly, Dream, if we're sitting here a year from now and Matt Eberflus is fired. I feel like the Bears are prolonging the inevitable for one extra year. That's kind of the way I see it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Are you surprised, House? Eberflus back in Chicago. I, I am um, because it seems like that's a signal uh, as it relates to, to um, Justin Fields. And I think that the right play, my view, is they should be converting that number one overall pick in this upcoming draft into as many assets as possible to build the talent around Fields. I, I think that the risk proposition of uh Kayla Williams and 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 May you know the 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 success rate of drafting quarterbacks that high when you're measuring that risk proposition against the known quantity of fields and what that number 1 pick should fetch then um I you know that to, to me running it back with additional assets is the right way to do it but I I don't know if that's um the the, the right uh, conclusion to draw from from them keeping Eberflus. I don't think they keep it Fields. I think Fields will be playing somewhere else next year. I yeah, just they're definitely think not keeping Fields. The, the financial ramifications for them to go and get a quarterback young, not pay him for a couple of years, and Justin Fields to me has got to be significantly better than that guy. Now, House, if it turns out they take Caleb Williams or whoever and he's a bomb, and he's a flop, and Justin Fields goes to Atlanta, goes somewhere else, and plays well. The Bears aren't going to look good. And, and I get the argument, oh, they could go and load up and get multiple picks. 
But, man, paying a quarterback no money house and loading up the rest of your roster, that's how these teams have been able to win over the last couple of years. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is this. You only win a Super Bowl with a quarterback on a rookie deal or a Hall of Fame quarterback. No in-between. We know Justin Fields is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's good enough, but he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. So if you pay Justin Fields, you're not going to be able to overcome anything else. So I agree with you, JJ. We, we, we have some recent evidence. I don't think Nick Foles is going to make the, the, the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Um, there are a couple other quarterbacks I could point to. Here's the uh, thing. Joe Flacco, but, who we'll be talking about in a matter of moments. Hey, Joe, Joe Flacco's going in the Hall of Fame. Understand, Nick Foles was the backup for a quarterback on a rookie deal. So the rest of that roster was loaded. So he fits so under. Rookie, that's fair. That's a for fair sure. counter. For sure. For sure. My Joe Flacco uh, just played out of his mind for four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my problem with getting a rookie is that's this isn't a team that's in the middle of, of a rebuild. This is a team that showed itself ready to jump into playoff contention. If they had played, you know, the way they played over the last third of the season, if they'd played that way this whole season, we'd be talking about them this coming weekend uh, in, in in the wild card. Um, and I think it's 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 a very risky proposition walking away from that. Guys, we have a lot to get to. We have all the Super Wild Card Weekend games. Uh, we got to get to our big trip, our trek for the Wise Guys uh, retreat at Los Angeles over the course of the weekend. Hopefully, a lot of tickets will be cashed. Hopefully, I'll be in a good mood on Saturday night. There's a lot to get to. The East Coast Bias Boys, we're just getting started. We're coming right back. When it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, has all your favorite bets like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. So I love the Los Angeles Rams. Did I tell you? I love the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford, revenge game in Detroit. Sean McVay knowing everything there is to know about Jared Goff. Give me the Rams. Money line. Can't stress that enough. You know what else I like? Tyreek Hill is going to score a touchdown at Arrowhead. Don't necessarily like the Dolphins, but I think Tyreek is going to find pay dirt at one point on Saturday night. And right now, every day, there's an NFL playoff game. FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SGP doesn't hit. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers. If you don't already have an account, Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in present select states, minimum three leg parlay required. Refund issued is non withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, boys, wildcard weekend. Two games Saturday, three games Sunday, game on Monday night. We'll break them all down. We got the spreads. We got the totals. We'll kind of evaluate what games we really like, what games we kind of like, what games we should avoid. It's wildcard weekend, full disclosure, as long as you do it responsibly on FanDuel. I will be betting all of these bad boys, for better or worse. So I'm just throwing that out there, especially because I will be with the fellas all weekend out in Los Angeles. So let's get right to it. Let's go in order. We'll start Saturday, 4.30. The Brownies, two and a half road favorites 
at the Houston Texans. Now, we saw this matchup a couple weeks ago. Joe Flacco on Christmas Eve went to Houston and absolutely torched the Houston Texans. I I think Amari Cooper just scored another touchdown. I think Joe Flacco just threw for another touchdown. And I know Raheem is going to hit on this a lot throughout the course of this show because Raheem always comes with the trends and always is well-prepared. The quarterbacks making their first starts in the postseason, ATS, it's not very good. Now, is that a blind trend that you're back? I think it's a case-by-case basis, but I'm going to defer here. I'm going to be like a good head coach. I'm going to get the ball in the second half on this particular game. Raheem, I'm going to start with you. The Brownies, who I may have an investment in to go and win the Super Bowl at a very juicy number, laying two and a half against the Texans. Where do you stand on this game? So... You mentioned the trends. We know since 2002, quarterbacks making their first playoff start are 27 and 50 straight up with almost 25 double-digit losses. You're talking about rookie quarterbacks being 30, 46, and 1 against the spread. That's just 39%. So this is just, it's really tough for rookie quarterbacks. And obviously, it's a little better when they're a home underdog. So... That puts C.J. Stroud in a little better position. But the one thing I will say is that he's going up against this Browns defense, which doesn't travel the same. And the way C.J. Stroud played last week against the Indianapolis Colts, it it was almost like down and distance didn't matter. You know, on that last drive, it was third and 14, first and 20, second and 20. It didn't matter. So to me, I think the Texans are the right side here. They're catching points at home. D'Amico Ryans is such a great coach and I know Flacco has been a great story but at some point this guy's 50 years old he's gonna put up a stinker so I'm looking at the Texans here wow so I don't have a strong conviction on the side my inclination is towards Cleveland and that's just because of the 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 balance of defensive success over the entire course of of the season the one thing that I kind of jumped in on here, and and I think I'm on the right side of this, the total opened at 43 and a half. I immediately uh, jumped on that. It's still available at 44 and a half on uh, FanDuel right now. And and Dream intimated, look, the, the Browns are a different kind of defense uh, on the road. So road overs, games in which the Browns were on the road, 8 and 0 oh this season. The average total, 51 points. And we have to keep in mind that this Browns team with Flacco at quarterback is is kind of a radical rewrite. It is an offense that um, didn't exist for the first two-thirds of the season. This Browns team plays with pace, one of the fastest time of possession per per play. Um, And Flacco is throwing... The football, his throwing attempts, his passing attempts uh, from weeks 13 to 17, the Browns lead the NFL in passing attempts. So that's an up uh, speed, up tempo offense. And we know uh, for sure that the, the Texans are capable of playing with pace with all of the explosive plays. I mean, for, for God's sakes, the way that they opened up the game last week, a playoff game against the Colts. With Nico catching the long one, um, I like the over in this one. All right, you like the over. Raheem, I get your case and your take on the Houston Texans. I just think Cleveland's a more complete team. I do. And and I can't overlook 
the idea that Indianapolis was on fourth and one. And if they give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, if Jonathan Taylor's in the game, maybe we're talking about Indianapolis hosting this game against the Cleveland Browns and not the Houston Texans. Flacco's playing great. I I know that I could be walking into a buzzsaw here and Joe Flacco could go and throw two or three interceptions and look like a 40-year-old man and I got major egg on my face. I I just think rookie quarterback, first playoff start, and I've seen some clunkers from the Texans. Forget about the Brown game when C.J. Stroud didn't play. I think about the Texans going to the Jets and losing to the Jets just a few weeks ago. To me, Cleveland's defense is better. Cleveland has been super resilient all year. I hate how public it is. You know I hate siding with the public side. I'm going to do it in this case. I just think Cleveland's better, and I'm going to lay the two and a half. So a little heads-up action right out of the gate. House is firing on the over. Raheem, you have a feeling on this total or no? I lean towards the under. Um, and, and just, I mean, the, the big reason why is obviously you have a rookie quarterback, but I just, I, I feel like both defenses are going to be able to hold each other down. So I, I just, I'm, str- I'm struggling with the total, to be honest with you, but I, I would lean towards the under. All right. So Raheem leaning towards Houston. I'm leaning towards Cleveland house over Raheem under. So split chat, split divide uh, when it comes to game number one. Now game two available on Peacock. Uh, I hope that we'll be able to find that uh, in in the compound when we are watching on Saturday night. I I hope that I am not like looking up Los Angeles bars or watching on like a phone or something along the lines of that to see the Dolphins in frigid sub-zero Arrowhead Stadium. This line is moving with the Kansas City Chiefs. It is all the way up to four and a half. Everyone and their mother is on the under total open at 46 and a half. It is now down to 44. and. I'm going last on this one, too. Dolphins, Chiefs, House, the Dolphins look cooked. They are signing guys off the street. They bring in Justin Houston. They bring in Bruce Servin. They are signing the cast of thousands on defense. Yet, I feel like the under is still the right side in this game because of Kansas City's futility on offense. And, hey, I know Buffalo moved the ball at will on the Miami Dolphins last week. Miami was able to get big stops when they needed them. Fourth down couple of turnovers. Uh, I'm starting here. Guys, I love the under in this game at 44. With those temperatures, this is going to be an under. I'm in the same place as you, and I think this number was lower, uh, but, you know, it's kind of bouncing around. I I can't come up with, you know, even really 40 points in view of what this weather um, is going to deliver. And part of the correlated way that I'm going to bet this, I'm joining you on the under, and I'm fine with it all the way down to 42 just to get it out there. I'll probably play the Kansas City second half under, which has been an absolute truck all season long. That's a, you know, you got to get in on on that also. But I'm going to be on the Pacheco uh, touches. I'm going to get him on carries. I'm going to get him on uh, receptions. I'm going to get him on rushing yards. And, you know, do do it now before, you know, Saturday, because the number, I think this is the way as folks start to focus in on how is this game script going to go? Now, the Chiefs, for sure, no problem at all playing in extreme cold. They've done it. You can look at the games um, over their history. Miami, JJ, you know this. I think they're, what is, what's the number? 0-10 for the last uh, 10 times they played at temperatures under 40 degrees. Now, the only thing you could say is, well, Tyreek played in some cold temperatures. Tyreek, former chief, he knows what that's like. 
But Tua? What's the last time? And we'll get this data over the next well, couple Well, he's of- never won. I can, I, can give you, I can give you the nugget. Now, again, it's not a great sample size because he's playing in warm weather. And how many times are the Miami Dolphins out in the cold under 40 degrees, especially with the climate in our country these days? New York doesn't get as cold. Uh, New England at times doesn't get as cold. But, you know, the numbers aren't good. He's never won a game in sub-40 degree temperatures. So you're right about that. By the same token, Raheem, Dolphins, and I know they were a different team last year, went to Buffalo, sub-40 temperatures, played well, covered a game, week, I want to say 15 or 16, almost won the game, offense played well, Josh Allen won it late, and then, of course, they competed and almost won the game outright in the wild card round with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. So there's some nuggets as far as the cold the stats are concerned. Raheem, Dolphins, Chiefs, where do we stand? Okay, so to break down those stats exactly, Tua is 0-4 straight up when the weather is under 45 degrees, 55% completion percentage, four touchdowns, five interceptions, 71 passer rating. Now, when I look at this game, I go back to the game that these two teams played earlier this year in London. The Chiefs held this Dolphins offense, which was healthy at the time. They had Jalen Wilder. They had Raheem Mostert. They had just 14 points. And a 41% success rate. So now you're banged up and you're going on the road to play in Arrowhead in five degree weather. I don't know how you perform better than you did previously. So this is a cheap smash spot. And, and JJ, you said this through the text. And, you know, me, I'm always trying to look for contrarian angles of how can I, you know, what am I missing? What is the public missing? What is the market missing? The public in the market is missing nothing on this game. and. The Chiefs are going to win this game by 10 points or more. I think the Chiefs are being undervalued here at three and a half. I think you should play this up to about five or six. And I also think this is an under. I I just don't see a lot of points at all. Well, we're in agreement as far as the total is concerned. And we're in full-fledged agreement as far as the side is concerned. Now, I I do think Miami going to get Mostert back and is going to get Waddle back. And Waddle was in and out of that game in Germany. Uh, The difference for Miami is that their defense had Bradley Chubb, had Jalen Phillips, and had a bunch of other dudes that were 1,000% healthy that are not going to be 1,000% healthy in this game. I I can't trust two in the cold weather. I don't trust the Dolphins in the cold weather. This game to me is like 23-13, 20-13. Competitive, spunky, Kansas City. There is no way in the world Kansas City is losing this game. So if you want to play it safe, put Kansas City in any parlay and any tease you want. I hope to God I'm wrong on this. I really do. I I might even max bet Kansas City on Saturday. Because you know what? If they lose, I'm going to be happy either way. So that that might have to be a consideration (laughs) for me. Emotional heads. (laughs) You know, I've never done that with my team in a playoff game. And it's probably not smart because I'm going to be upset one way or another. But... It is, I guess, one way to look at it. Maybe an emotional hedge from my wallet. And the boys are in agreement. Kansas City. How? So you're putting Kansas City in parlays and teases? Not with that four and a half line on a tease, right? Right. No, no, no. Just just money line. I have the money line and the under uh, already um, connected. And, and I have you know, the, you know a, a little bit of a two or three team money line parlay kind of lined up. You know, I like to get action on a couple different uh, slices and dices. We'll get to we get to some best bets, JJ. Fair enough. Uh, Raheem, you like the side of the total more in this game? 
I like the side. I just think Chiefs are being undervalued here, and I just think the Dolphins are dead. It's fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it. I, I think Raheem's right. All right, we got Sunday games to get to. Uh, weather, a factor at Arrowhead. It's also going to be a factor in Buffalo, and maybe that opens the door to the Pittsburgh Steelers being a little bit more competitive in this game. We'll dive into that. We got the Stafford and Goff game, which to me is hands down the matchup of the week when it comes to Wild Card Weekend. All that more right after this. All right, boys, we got three games on Sunday. Let's start probably with the worst game of the day. Yeah, without a doubt, you can make the argument this is the worst game of Wild Card Weekend. In fact, I would. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're a double-digit underdog at Buffalo. T.J. Watt will not be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a problem. Pittsburgh, you, you look at them, you try to figure how in the world did they find a way in the postseason. Mike Tomlin, there's no other explanation for it. Raheem, the conditions in this game, though, and it's weird because normally we talk about Buffalo as a team that you would think, oh, it's perfect to play in the cold. It's perfect to play in the wind. Even with their ability to run the football better, Josh Allen, what he wants to do, throwing the ball and making things happen down the field. I don't like the idea of potential 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts in a game that he's going to play, especially with his knack and propensity for turning the football over. Guys, I'm starting this one. I know it's 10 points. I know Pittsburgh stinks. I know I may sound like a damn fool for saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think Pittsburgh is going to be in this game. I do. I just think it's way too many points, bad weather, competitive, hungry team, and a team that can run the ball with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Raheem, I'm grabbing those 10 and I'm holding my nose, big boy. So this one is tough for me. Like, I look at Buffalo and I'm not that impressed with them. They were double-digit favorites against the Chargers in Easton Stick. They barely won that game 24-22. to They were 14-point favorites against the New England Patriots with Bailey Zappi. They barely won that game 27-21. You look at last week against the Miami Dolphins. If they don't get that punt return, who knows what happens in that game? They lose the game. No, I'll I'll take it a step further, Raheem. They lose the game. They lose the game because they would have been tight on offense. It would have been a totally different Josh Allen. They lose the game. They lose the game. So when when I look at this offense... To me, it just feels like there's a governor on it. And Stefan Diggs, for whatever reason, he hasn't been the same guy with this offense this year. It feels like there's just something holding back this team. So I don't want to lay double digits with Buffalo. This line was seven and a half. It got bet up past the 10 to 10 and a half. Now this is either Pittsburgh or pass. But the problem is, what are you going to get from this Steelers team? One thing that we know about the Steelers is that T.J. Watt isn't playing. Last year, they were 1-6 without him, 8-2 and two with him. So that's a problem. And then also, when you look at Mason Rudolph, I know he's been playing well, but he played against the Bengals, 28th in EPA per play. Against the Seahawks, 31st in EPA per play. Now he has to go up against this Buffalo Bills defense, which is 5th in EPA per play. So this is a struggle for me. I'm probably going to stay away, but if I had to play it, it would probably be Pittsburgh just because I think this number is going too far and Buffalo hasn't shown us that they're going to win with margin. Yeah, I I totally agree with Dream. Um, 10 points is too many when the total is 36 and a half. 
And the thing that complicates the handicap for me is I think that I slightly trust Pittsburgh's rushing offense a tiny bit more than I trust Buffalo's rushing offense. And if it's the case that the weather is going to provide the pass defense that TJ Watt cannot provide, if the weather is taking away the pass from the Bills, and what we're talking about are two teams that are just going to try and manage the ball, uh, not turn the ball over, not give the other team a short field, because that really seems like the only way uh, uh, to, to get to, to certain points, then I think I slightly prefer Pittsburgh um, P- Pittsburgh rushing attack. The one prop that I absolutely, it's available right now on FanDuel, um, you only have to lay, it's minus 108. It's Josh Allen over eight and a half carries. He's been in double digits the last couple of weeks. And this game script sets up uh, as an absolute, you know, he he is, I think, unquestionably their, their best offensive weapon on the ground um, because of the uncertainty when he goes back. So, I, you know, where, where every yard's going to be at a premium and points are at a premium. Josh Allen as the uh, driving force of that offense over eight and a half carries is my favorite play in this game. I like that a lot. I I think Josh Allen now at this point of year, they're kind of going to unleash him. And that means carries and that means rushing yards and around the goal line. He's got an opportunity to go and score. I think another guy to target here is for his prop market, Jalen Warren, because if we're talking about windy conditions, a lot of dump off passes, he's the more explosive back of the two. He's a guy from a prop standpoint I'm looking to get all aboard with. I think he's going to have a very big game uh, for Pittsburgh. Raheem, my one problem with this game from a total standpoint, I don't know officially what the weather is going to be. You know, like they're trying to they're trying to bake it into the total right now as we speak. Maybe it's a little better. You know what I mean? Like I almost think if you if you want to bank on the weather being better than this in Buffalo, Maybe take a chance on the over because we get better weather. You're not going to get a total of 36 to 36 and a half, right, dude? Yeah, I mean, not at all. And I still have questions about this Steelers defense. Like, if you if you ask me without TJ Watt, like, they're not, like, exactly juggernauts. You're talking about a team that's 23rd in EPA per play. And, like, Josh Allen should be able to make things happen. So, I think 36 and a half is a little bit too low. I mean, we, and then you also have that count for turnovers. Even if the weather is bad, I mean, you can cough and sneeze and get over this. And one thing we remember is that Cincinnati walked that ball up and down the field last year in the divisional playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. So even when the weather is bad, we know teams can move the ball in today's NFL. All right, guys. Raheem, this one's near and dear to your heart. Your Cowboys who have to win this game. You can make the argument out of all the teams playing on wild card weekend, there's no team under more pressure than Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys to go and take care of business and beat this young, very inexperienced, let's be real, they're happy to be there, Green Bay Packers after their win against the Chicago Bears. Now, Raheem, the line is at seven and a half. Green Bay has been much better offensively but we know the deal with the Cowboys. They've been a wagon at home. They have been an offensive juggernaut at home. The way I see it, the Green Bay defense still leaves a lot to be desired. I love Dallas this weekend. I don't care how public it is. I don't care if everybody's putting them in teases and parlays. 
Raheem, I think it's a big day for your boys. I think Dallas, by double digits, I am laying seven and a half. This is the teaser spot of the year. Like, it might even be the teaser spot of the century. This might be, like, Mayweather-McGregor, if you ask me, because you look at this Dallas Cowboys team, they're averaging 37 and a half points per game at home, and they're 8-0. and And they get to take on a Packers defense, which is 28th in dropback success rate. They're 23rd in dropback EPA for play. They're 23rd in EPA for play on defense and 26 on success rate on defense. So we know Dak Prescott is going to be able to carve this defense up and take them into the deep waters and drown them. We saw Baker Mayfield a couple weeks ago go into Green Bay and carve them up with Mike Evans. So what is Dak and going to do at home on the fast track? So I love the Cowboys on a teaser. If I could tease this game with every game for the next seven months, I would do that. So I would probably tease it with the Might Texans. Have to start I'm... looking into that, Raheem. Teasing <laughs> opening day baseball, teasing uh, <laughs> North Carolina. Just te- tease everything with the Cowboys. Anything you can. Anything you can because the Cowboys are going to win this game. I'm not quite sure about the seven and a half. I want to dig into that. I do think they cover that, but I think the teaser is the, the best play on the board. Yeah, so I'm scared off uh, of the line because of the way that Dallas played in his last two home, those two home games against Seattle and, and Detroit. And those are both uh, exploitable secondaries, secondaries that Dallas... Now, Dallas did move the ball just fine against Seattle, but their own defense was, wasn't up to it. And Detroit should have won that football game. I mean, well, we, we won't say should have, but they were in the position to win that football game. And that is because Detroit moved all the way down the football field with you know a minute and a half left against that Dallas defense, it should have been far less time left on the clock. So it's just seven and a half is too many points. I love Dream's point uh, about the teased leg, though that that absolutely lines up. I, I'm I I want to be cautious with Green Bay because the return of Aaron Jones has been meaningful. He leads the NFL. Uh, in, with he has over 400 yards on the ground over these last three games. So if this Green Bay offense, which is literally so green, so young, um, if they're able to be balanced and their their um last two games, I mean, look, you'll never hear me say good things about a Joe Barry uh defense, but division rivals, Vikings, ten points. Bears, nine points, back-to-back weeks. Okay. I mean, you know, there there are weapons on, on both of those teams' offenses. And so uh, I'm not that psyched about laying the points. I do like the idea, idea of Dallas winning. More than anything, I'm rooting for it because we need Dallas to get to that next level uh, of, of the playoffs to the divisional round, and let's really see uh, the juicy storylines that come from that, uh, J.J. Yeah, Dallas has to be playing in the NFC title game this year. Has to, has to, has to. If not now, then when? You avoid San Francisco until championship Sunday. You got to be playing in that particular game. And guys, I do think there's an opportunity maybe to get in on the over. I know it's super high in this particular matchup. I don't think Green Bay is slowing down the Dallas Cowboys. And you want to tell me there's some garbage time potential for Jordan Love? I see it. I will be playing the over. All right, guys, finally, I think it's the game of wildcard weekend. Storylines are off the charts. It's Stafford going back to Detroit. It's Jared Goff going up against the coach that basically kicked him to the curb. You have Detroit. We're still waiting to hear if Sam Laporte is going to play. This line opened up around three and a half. I think it's at three in most places. House, 
You know where my loyalties lie. I've hinted at it. I've said it. Uh, It's no secret here. The Rams are winning this game. I love what they've done. I love what Stafford has done. I I saw him compete in a big boy game against Baltimore a few weeks ago. Uh, Goff against the coach that knows every little intricacy about him. This screams Rams. I don't care if everybody's on it. I'm on it. Rams, 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 Rams. Money line. I don't even need the three. They're winning outright. Well, you know, sometimes we just see things the exact same way, JJ. And this is one of those times. I mean, I, I think that the combination of the Rams offense healthy and how effective their offensive line has been. And you add in the fact that this Detroit defense has not seen an elite offense like this since the Ravens. And we saw what the Ravens did to this team. It's hard for me. Now, look, it's definitely the case. Let's 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 give uh, uh, credit where credit's due. This Detroit defense went into Dallas and held Dallas, you know, down to way under its team total, way under its home scoring averages. And they got a big boost. They activated C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They got a Liam McNeil back. So those are good things for this. Detroit defense. The problem is this Rams offense is an entirely different class altogether. It's head of class from my perspective. And the storylines are, are are great. But let me have Sean McVay and Raheem Morris as a, on, on the coaching side, coaching advantage. That's why that's the, the real clincher for me, Dream, in terms of why I like the Rams. Yeah, I agree with you guys on the Rams. I think the Rams are absolutely rolling right now. If you look at what they've done over the last seven or eight weeks, you go back since that Green Bay Packers game and Matthew Stafford was hurt in that game. They have won every game except for one against the Baltimore Ravens. And they had a real shot of winning that game on the road. This is a team who since week nine, they are top five in EPA per play, top five in success rate, top five in every single offensive metric that you can find. And they get to take on a Detroit Lions defense, which is bottom 10 in EPA per play, bottom 10 in success rate, bottom 10 in dropback success rate. So this Rams offense is going to score and they are going to get going. And when I look at this Detroit Lions team, outside of the Ravens, what top tier, outside of the Ravens and the Cowboys, what top tier offenses have they faced? They they gave up almost 400 passing yards to Nick Mullins. And if it wasn't for the four turnovers, the Minnesota Vikings probably should have won that game. And you could say, oh, yeah, they've held the Cowboys under their point total. But if you look at that game, the Cowboys were about to score on a one-yard line and fumbled it. So it's, to me, I, I just think this, this is a game where the Rams should win. They're catching three and a half. Right now, they're the better team. I'm taking the Rams. Family play, cross the board. I love it. Rams, Rams, Rams. And 50-1. to 1 can live at least another week until they go to San Francisco. we got a lot more to do. We'll have our best bets coming up. Uh, We'll take a look at the futures. If there's anything maybe we should look to invest in. All that more. Come right back. So I'm looking at the futures odds, guys. No surprise. San Fran, Baltimore, heavy favorites. Then Buffalo, 650. Dallas, 750. This is where it gets interesting. Kansas City, 10 to 1. Philly, Miami are both at 17 to 1. Cleveland at 30 to 1. Detroit, 22 to 1. Rams at 50 to 1. Raheem, I know I'm on that Ram bandwagon. 
Kansas City at 10 to 1, man. I know they got problems. I know they're not the same. I'm still getting Patrick Mahomes at 10 to 1. I feel like that's a number I got to hop on. It is a number that you have to hop on. And actually, I gave this one out on the Rostradamus show about a week ago just because I think the Chiefs are being underrated. This is still a team that is top five in EPA for play on defense. They continue to dominate defensively. And if you look at all of their games, the games they're losing are really one-score games. And you could say that they probably should have beat Buffalo. They probably should have beat the Philadelphia Eagles. They probably should have beat the Detroit Lions. They're basically losing these one-score games based on drops. And I think at some point, the drops, they'll improve on being able to catch the ball. And look, we all like them against Miami. So if they beat Miami this week, those odds are going to be cut in half knowing that they have to go into Buffalo. And look, they got the t- Taylor Swift behind them. So I-, I-, I can't go against the Chiefs here. So 10 yeah, to 1 is good angle. I haven't even mentioned, House. The idea that, listen, when in doubt, you know the officiating is going to be the right side when it comes to Kansas City. Um, you have a future you would throw in or no? You well, I'm still, I still love the Rams play, and I like them also at 21 to 1 to win the... Um, the NFC uh, conference because that sets you up with two ways to cash on longer odds for a team that to me is right there with everybody and the team that has the best potential to give the 49ers the hardest time of winning the NFC. So I, I like the Rams both on the Super Bowl ticket because of the hedge option there, but also on, on the conference ticket. So I love both of those. I love them. I love them. I love them. Quickly, NBA news. Hal Burton's going to miss some time. John Morant out for the year. Listen, House, the Grizzlies were cooked with or without John Morant. It's just a bummer not to have him on the court. Hal Burton, no. For young, up-and-coming Pacer team, curious to see how they respond now over the next few weeks. Well, the interesting thing to me with the Pacers uh, is really like this positioning between them and the Knicks. And by the way, I got to pat myself on the back. On this show one week ago, I told you, the New York Knicks were sitting at 45 and a half wins. That number right now is 47 and a half. And it's it's because they're undefeated since, since trading for OG Onanobi. They had the best defense in the NBA. But to me, the thing with the Pacers and the Knicks is can either one of those teams do something acquisition-wise to push themselves up into the top three in the Eastern Conference? And, you know, this is a setback. For the, for the Pacers, but maybe it also motivates them to be a first mover in the market. And that's what I'm looking looking for. Do they jump into the trade uh, space to get ahead of the Knicks to make this run in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I've really heard about the John Morant thing because with John Morant, the Grizzlies have been playing really well. They're 6-3. and three. You see their offensive efficiency, 112. And look, I know a lot of people thought the Grizzlies were dead and gone even with Morant, but they were only four and a half games behind the 10th spot for the play-in tournament. So I looked at it, if John Morant was still there, they would have had a real shot at making the play-in tournament. Now, the one thing I will say that's good is that their record is going to fall and they're going to find themselves with a top five draft pick and be able to draft somebody. So next year, we're playing Grizzlies Futures. I like the sound of that. We'll come back, wrap it up. Best bets, Wild Card Weekend. That's next. Best bedtime, wildcard weekend. House, the question is, is it a parlay or a tease? That's what I want to know. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's got to be exotic. If it's Wild Card Weekend, we got to get wild. And I like to space them out. So we're doing a three-leg Moneyline Parlay. Got to have some action Saturday night. Let's take that Saturday night fever with the Chiefs and Tay-Tay. Carry it into the ugly game of the weekend. It's going to be snowy, crazy, but that, plenty of reason to watch. That's the Bills. I'm on the Bills money line, the Chiefs money line, and then let's top it off. We all love the Rams. We're putting it down on the Rams. That gives us plus 325 on the three-leg money line. We've got an upset pick in there. Like, you know, it fits a lot of the wild card themes out there, Dream. I'm going to go with the two-team six-point teaser. I typically don't like the tease totals when the total is, you know, 51 and a half. But we're going to tease the Dallas Cowboys from seven and a half down to one and a half. And we're going to tease the Rams up from three to plus nine. Two team six point teaser. That's going to get you to the window. I like it. All right, guys, here's what I'm doing. House, I'm following your lead. Three team money line parlay. Let's hope that we have it alive and well going into Sunday night. I'm taking the Brownies on the money line to start off the day. I know Raheem's not going to like that, but I'm taking it anyway. We are going to take. The Dallas Cowboys on the money line, who are not under any set of circumstances going to lose to Jordan Love and that terrible Packer defense. I'm sorry. I don't see it. I don't buy it. So give me the Brownies. Give me the Cowboys. And then hopefully, actually, see, I don't want your poet to be alive because that means the Dolphins are out. So (laughs) I I can't say in good faith that I want your poet to be alive and well, but I am on you with the Rams. I don't know what it's going to pay out. I have not done the calculations yet, but it sounds like a winner. Between three and a half to one to four to one. You get, it'll be a good cash, JJ. Uh, and Raheem, I almost feel like if you like the Rams this week, there's no point in taking the points. I don't see the Rams losing this game if they don't win it. You know, I don't see a situation, let me put it this way, where they cover the game and lose the game. I, I think they, they're in that number. They're winning the game. That's the way I see mm, it. I can, I, can, I can see the Lions winning by a field goal. Really? Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I, I can I see, can I see can. that. Because I think if the game's close, I think that the Rams are going to pull it out. Mm, okay. I can see that. I can see that. Well, boys, pack your bags. Uh, we got a quick flight ahead of us. Not so quick. But we'll be out in Los Angeles. Raheem, I hope you're used to getting up at like 5, 6 in the morning. You might have to post some all-nighters in L.A. with that time difference, bro. Oh, I'm definitely used start to it. I'm definitely used to it. Like I, I, I love it. I mean, I haven't been out. Vegas as much in 2023 as I was the previous years, but I love getting up for early football, having breakfast, and the game start right away. And wise guys, 11 a.m. Eastern. Until then, House Raheem, JJ out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus in present select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IN Indiana, 1-800-522-4700. Or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. 
or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.